with you. Open them up with me to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4. We're kind of in the home stretch here of 2 Timothy. We'll see how far we get tonight, but we're going to get pretty close to being finished here pretty soon, maybe tonight or, or maybe one more week. As I mentioned last week, um, the Apostle Paul, this is the last, you know, and the Apostle Paul has written so much of the New Testament, many, most the epistles and so much of the doctrine that we have available to us in the New Testament is the result of the Apostle Paul and his writings. And this is his last letter. This is the, um, uh, chronologically, this is the last letter that we have from the Apostle and we know that this was in his um, some of his last days. We don't know if he was martyred, you know, weeks or months after this. But we know that it was very close. These were very close to being some of his last words, and they're, they're the last ones that we have recorded to to look at tonight. And we know that uh, Timothy was just his young apprenticeship, and his young uh, he was someone that Paul mentored and brought up in the ministry, and, and in a sense, it's kind of the Apostle Paul passing the baton. He's been 30 years faithful in ministry, and if you know the life of the Apostle Paul, those 30 years were, you know, there were some glorious times in the Lord, miracles and incredible things that God did through the Apostle Paul. There was also a great time of struggle. He was beaten, he was stoned, he was persecuted, run out of town. And uh, just uh, t- those, they were not easy years, those 30 years of ministry, but they were so fruitful. And that, that ministry, those 30 years of ministry, think about it, here we are now, 2,000 years later, and that ministry is still bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. What God was able to do through the Apostle Paul is still speaking to us because it's not just the Apostle Paul, but in fact the Word of God written through the Apostle. So, what a great testimony to being faithful with your ministry. You never know how God's going to use those things. Uh, I'm sure the Apostle Paul could have never imagined that God would be doing all of this with these some of these letters that he wrote, but God has and, and continues to do so. But these are important words. They're the last words of the Apostle Paul. They're the last words spoken almost to his, you know, the one that he's handing the ministry over to. And there's just this deep sense of, you know, be strong, be courageous. Fulfill, Timothy, fulfill your calling. And that's kind of the theme of the, of the book and really the, the, this, the theme even more emphasized in this last chapter. Timothy, fulfill your calling. I've been going at it for 30 years. You've been with me. You've seen me. You, we, I've raised you up. God's using you. Now I'm handing the, the baton. Timothy, be faithful and continue to go forward in what God has called us to do. And we looked last week at... Um, we're, we're uh, yeah, we're um, we're in chapter four. We finished. I'm trying to think where we left off last week. Verse three, okay. Oh, we're beginning in verse three. Okay, so we only got through a couple of verses. Well, anyway, uh, we looked at the first of all. He pointed out that Timothy, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about ultimately our accountability to fulfill our calling and to be faithful with what God's called us to do. The, that accountability is to God. It's not to men, but ultimately it is to God. We looked at also what the calling was, at least for, the, for Timothy, the calling was to preach the Word of God, consistently and faithfully preach the Word. 
So we looked at the accountability of the calling. We looked at what the calling was, which was preaching the word. And now we want to look, continuing on, and starting here in verse 3, I want to say this, kind of call this the narrow gate of the calling. The narrow gate of the calling. Jesus said this in, in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. The Apostle Paul is now going to talk to Timothy. Timothy preached the word, but I'm telling you there's a time coming when there won't be that many that really want to hear the truth of the word of God. And it goes in step with what Jesus said. Look, broad is the way that leads to destruction. What God is, where the road that leads to life and what God is calling us to may not always be the most popular, may not always be the, yeah, you know, the broadest way. It may often be the narrow gate. And that's, I think that's what Paul is now getting ready to say. He's going to start showing Timothy, look, it, it's the path that you're on is going to be uh, restricted. It, it, you're going to be resistance. Not every, it's not always going to be popular. It's not always going to be the way of the, of the masses. But Timothy, this is the way that you must go. And he, and he talks about this now and begins to warn Timothy. And let's look at it here, verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Remember our context here. Paul has just told Timothy, Timothy, you've got to preach the word and preach it in and out of season whenever you can, as often as you can, because there's a time coming when people will not want to listen to sound doctrine. Let's just take a look here at what he says. First of all, they will not endure sound doctrine. What does that mean, they won't endure sound doctrine? Well, it means they won't tolerate it. They won't, they won't hold, literally, it means they won't hold up under it. Because oftentimes, sound doctrine, good, solid Bible teaching, oftentimes will challenge our lives. It will also oftentimes convict us. It will, when you, when you hold up the perfect and you measure your own life against it, oftentimes you, you see the gaps and you realize, wow, I'm not, you know, I'm not living the way I should here. I'm not pursuing the Lord in the way that I need to here. And, and oftentimes the Word of God will correct and will call us to a, a deeper commitment. And Paul said there will come a time when people just won't hold up. They won't be willing to hold up under that. They won't want to come and hear that kind of a challenge. They won't want to hear that kind of correction. They, won't, they, won't, they just won't tolerate it. They will not endure sound doctrine. They'll take a little bit of it, but they won't go the distance. Instead, they want to hear what they want to hear. They want to be told what they want to be told. Tell us what, what is smooth for us. Tell us how good we're doing. Tell us how great things are going to be. Tell us how you know, God is going to help and bless. and, and do, We're not going to experience difficulty. And We, we want to hear... The, the good news of the gospel. And of course, the gospel is good news. It's wonderful news that your sins have been forgiven, that Jesus Christ has come, and, and Christmas season is all about you know, peace and goodwill to men. It is good news, but it's also there, there is a, there's a conforming to the Word. There's a conforming to Christ. This is an ongoing, lifelong process. As we come to Christ, we come as we are. We don't have to get our act together get cleaned up to be acceptable to the Lord. But once we embrace Christ, 
then begins that process that the Lord begins to mold and shape our lives from glory to glory. And that process sometimes, as you know, can be difficult. It can be self-sacrificing. It can be life-changing. And we have to learn to, to set thir- certain things down and, and set our heart after other things. And it's just kind of this reprogramming that begins to take place in our hearts and minds. And some people just, they don't want to endure that. And this is what Paul is speaking about now. And I, I got to tell you that I think we're living in those kinds of times today. That even in the church, they don't, you know, they're very selective about what they want to hear. That is people, they're also very selective that it preachers what they will teach and preach on. And it says here what the problem is, right there in the second half of verse 3. But according to their own desires. And that really is the, the root of what begins to happen. It, it, they don't want to conform to Christ and the Word of God. They're not interested in yielding to His will, but rather it, they're, they're interested in their own desires. And, and they want to get God on their program. And we want to hear about how, the things that God's going to be doing for me, especially those things that, that are, you know, fit into the, the desires of my own heart. And they look for teachers that will reinforce that. They look for people that will teach them that. I mean, that's clearly what the Bible is saying here. Because they have itching ears. Have you ever had an itch, you know, in the back that you can't quite get to, you know? And you finally get it, oh, oh, yeah, 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 that's the spot, that's the spot, you know. Sometimes I'll have my wife scratch my back. No, no, a little lower, a little lower, a little lower. Oh, yeah, 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 right there. We have this little Jack Russell Terrier that we, we scratch her belly. Her arms go up like this and her tongue kind of comes out and her back leg starts going, oh, oh, you know, that's the spot. And Paul is using this kind of imagery for what happens in terms of what people want to be taught. Like, oh, yeah, 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 that's the spot, that's the spot. That's what I want to hear. Amen, amen, amen. And they look for that message that reinforces the things that they really want to hear, which is what? After their own desires. In other words, it's not, a, it's not coming and saying, God, what do you want to say? What do you need to say to my life? What do I need to hear, Lord? God, my life is open before you. My you know, like the psalmist. The psalmist said, Lord, search me and know me and see if there is any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way that is everlasting. God, I don't want to hear some trumped up message that just kind of makes me feel good. I want to hear the truth. I want to know the truth of where my life is with you, what I need to be working on, how I need to continue to be conformed to the image of Christ. I know I'm not there. I know that I'm not, I'm not fashioned yet, that I'm still a work in progress. And that doesn't burden me. That doesn't make me feel bad. That, that's normal. That's, that's a normal Christian walk of being transformed. The Apostle Paul said, Brethren, I do not claim to have laid hold of it yet. We're talking about this wonderful apostle who admittedly in his letter to the Philippians says, Guys, I haven't arrived yet. But one thing I do, bless you, I press on. Forgetting what lies behind, I press on. I'm, I'm striving. This is what I'm shooting for. And how do we even know what we're shooting for? What's the target? Jesus Christ. The Word of God. 
The Word made flesh. Jesus Christ revealed to us through the Word. So we need to hear the type of teaching that will produce sound doctrine, the whole picture. Lord, I need the whole picture. I want, I want the good, but I also want the challenging and the correcting. I, I want what I need to be healthy spiritually. But when you get to where you're, you have an itching ear, and you can see this, you know, we see this in Christian circles today. There's, you know, a certain type of teacher, a certain type of message. And the Bible says here that they will heap up for themselves. Heap up for themselves. They will accumulate and raise up and magnify these teachers that tell them what they want to hear. You know, sometimes I, get, I hear some, some teachers on Christian television, and I hear the stuff they say, and it just, it's just so, it's so crazy, you know? And I'm thinking, you know, and the, the tendency is to think, these guys are like, what's wrong with this guy? But what we have to remember is that it's the listeners that have heaped up for themselves teachers He's simply saying what people want to hear. He's giving the people what they want. We tend to blame the teachers, and they are to blame when they teach error and when they teach an unbalanced message. But truthfully, the reason they're on television, the reason they are so popular, the reason that that they have such a following is because people want to hear it. They have itching ears. And they and they will flock to these some of, when they have when that's a problem they flock to that type of teacher, they will listen to that guy's tapes by the hour and over and over and over again and and it just it becomes a this, you know, unquenchable thirst to keep hearing this message that kind of pumps me up makes me feel better about myself makes you know reinforces what I want to hear. Let me quote you a couple passages here that. This is not new. This is not a new thing. Obviously, the Apostle Paul was speaking about it to Timothy, but even back in Isaiah, and you don't need to turn, but let me just read you a couple quotes here. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 9 says this, This is a rebellious people, lying children, children who will not hear the law of the Lord. They say to the seers or to the prophets, Do not see. And they say to the prophets, Do not prophesy to us right things but rather speak to us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Get out of the way. Turn aside from the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Don't tell us what the Lord's telling you to say. Don't tell us anything that's going to be hard or harsh or too difficult to to listen to. Tell us something smooth. Have you got a word for me? I hope it's something smooth. What? I need... I'm in sin, I need to repent. Oh, no, no. Get out of the way. Get out of my way. This, I want to continue to live my life. I want to continue to go the way that I want to go. And I simply want to feel like God, you know, I want to hear those teachers and preachers who will reinforce my lifestyle and not make me feel convicted or concerned about the way I'm living. Turn aside from the path, they say. In other words, get out of our way. Don't stop us. Don't, don't come in with the Word of God saying, halt, stop. God loves you. God, if you continue down this way, you're going, to be, you're going to your own peril. Get out of the way. Tell us smooth things and let us continue on our path. In Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 30, an astonishing and horrible thing has been committed in the land. The prophets 
prophesy falsely, and the priests rule by their own power, and my people love to have it so. But what will you do in the end? An astonishing thing has happened. And and I can say tonight, church, an astonishing thing has happened even in the Christian church today. There are individuals who are prophesying false things. They've not heard from God. They're not presenting the count, the full counsel of God. They're prophesying, they're ministering, they're teaching, they're preaching under their own power, under their own ideas. And the tragedy is that God's, some of God's people love to have it so. That's just what they want to hear. Their ears are being you know, tickled, just that little... Uh, thing that they can really get into and they can say, Amen, Amen, oh, Amen, Amen. But they don't want to hear some of the other things that the Lord would have them to hear. They've turned their ears away from truth and they've turned their ears to something else. What does he say that they've turned away from? Verse 4, they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Fables, stories, myths, Um, not necessarily the scriptures, but kind of stories that may weave a few scriptures in. And and it's just, they've turned their, they want to be entertained. They want to hear these smooth things. I remember um, about, this was before I I started attending Calvary Chapel. We were, my wife and I were looking for a church. We had our young kids. This was 10, 12 years ago. And we were looking for a church, and we went to a, We found kind of a local church in the community that we were in, nearby, next door, in the city next door. Small church, just kind of getting started, and you know, it just seemed kind of exciting place to be. I, I was. We had been in a small church, and thought, you know, this is a place we can plug in. We they they can, you know, we can make a difference here because it's not so big, and you know. So we started attending. We kind of liked, met the, heard the pastor teach, and he seemed like a good Bible teacher. The worship was very, very sensitive, and so we were kind of drawn to this church. And we started attending for a little while, and they had a Sunday school class, so we started attending the Sunday school. And not too long into the, you know, he he kind of got away from teaching the Bible. This is just a few weeks in, and, and he started bringing these materials in to the church, and we started taking personality tests, and we started. Uh, having all kinds of, you know, uh, hitting this target audience of, you know, Mr. North Orange County, that's where we were living, and how to reach Mr. North Orange County, and all this, these different techniques. And then on Sunday morning, we were getting kind of this, um, I don't know, I just, lack of a better term, I'll just, we'll call it gospel light. You know, you've heard of Miller Light, you know, <laughs> gospel light. You've heard of light beer, right? You know, half the calories, whatever it is. But it's, that's kind of the way I felt. Uh, it's probably not a good analogy, but you, you get the idea. That's what I thought about it. It's like, you know, this is, you know, this is like the, kind of this milk, watered down. You know, you're not, I'm not getting home with enough substance. And I can remember on several occasions where we would rarely crack the Bible. And he, he taught one series on parenting. And he took this passage out of the Bible that, in my opinion, wasn't even related to parenting. You remember when Jesus was young boy and he was in the temple and his parents kind of misplaced him because he was he was in the temple talking to the priests in the temple and they got worried about him and and they found you know where is he and he said oh I was you know I ha- you, where would you expect to find me I'm in my father's house I 
you know, have to be about my father's business type of thing. Well, he took that whole story to, and developed it like, you see, we need to give our children a little freedom. We need to kind of, even Jesus' parents, they, they didn't even realize that he was gone. And, you know, this is crazy. It was like, it wasn't. And, and then, we, then he read like chapter, I mean, paragraphs and paragraphs out of this Bill Cosby book on parenting. And, and I just, you know, oh, Tony will tell you, I would get, before we were out of the parking lot, I'd be just so angry going home from church. And, and the, the tragedy is, is this, this man was a wonderful Bible teacher. And on occasion, he would teach the Bible. And he had a gift. He had an ability to exposit the scriptures, break it down by, verse by verse. He was a scholar. He was, he was really a very, very bright man. And knew the word and knew the... Uh, had, had studied, was studying to have a PhD. I mean, an excellent scholar of the word. And yet... He turned, he turned away from presenting that truth of God's word and went into fables and stories. And, to, and the whole idea was to grow. The whole idea was to put you know, people in the pew because nobody wants to hear Bible teaching anymore. We need to, we're, we're trying to reach our target audience. And you know, they, they'd rather come to church and hear little Bill Cosby Mixed in with the Bible verse or two, and we kind of we kind of warm them up to the idea of Christianity, and slowly kind of you know hook them in. Well, I had I had kind of I had never heard any of this, you know. I was kind of naive, and it just it drove me crazy. It took me about six months to figure out we can't go to church here. <laughs> and thank the Lord, He led us on to uh, Calvary Chapel La Mirada, where we plugged in with Pastor Brian Parrish and. You know, we've never looked back. It's been wonderful, and we just got back into the teaching of the Bible. And he kind of rebuked me, uh, this pastor, when, when I finally said, you know, I'm just not being fulfilled here. And I had some dialogue with him. I was trying to understand. I don't understand where you're coming from. Explain to me what's going on here. And he was trying to tell me his vision. Well, you know, uh, the, the culture today, they're not, they're not receptive to the Word of God being taught the way you're used to it and the way you would like to hear it. So we have to... You know, we have to kind of meld in a little more of the culture, make it relevant, and so forth and so on. And so we would have, we had a couple lunches, and he finally got frustrated with me, you know, because I kept kind of prying into it, saying, you know, but why aren't you just teaching me the Bible? And he said, you know what you need to do? Kind of finally, and he was a, he was a, a sweet guy, and it wasn't like, he wasn't, you know, really rude about it, but he just finally kind of got, he said, you know what you need to do, Richard? You're obviously not happy. You know what you need to do? You just need to go find yourself a Calvary Chapel where they just teach the Bible verse by verse. <laughs> kind of like, you know, go, yeah, go some, go, if you want to go do it, do church boring, then that's where you need to go do it. So that's what we did. <laughs> and then, you know, 10 years later, we started a boring church <laughs> uh, where we're just trying to teach the Bible. <clears throat> In all my Christian days, and I've been walking with the Lord since I was 15 years old, nothing has changed my life like the Word of God. Nothing has changed my family. Nothing has changed my home. Nothing has altered the course of my life like this book. This is the only thing I know that can change lives and rescue families, and redeem the lost. I don't know 
any other technique, any other clever mix-in-the-culture way to give people what they've got to have to survive spiritually. I can tickle your ears. I can tell stories with the best of them. But I can't, hell, I can't give you what I genuinely believe will change your life if I don't go through this, the, the, for some, the boring verse-by-verse look at God's Word. I just don't have anything else to offer, and I, I'm not interested in offering anything else. Not because I want to be boring, but because I want to give you what I believe will save your life spiritually and build you up. And it's good for edification, for doctrine, for reproof, correction, for strengthening, everything that you need spiritually. Paul is warning Timothy that there's coming a day when people won't endure it. They don't want to hear it, and they will simply look, they will go somewhere else to have people tell them what they want to hear. Now, I'm thankful tonight that you're here. <laughs> and I, I know that, you know, as we've seen the ministry through Calvary chapels, there are many that do want to hear God's word. Thank God for the remnant that he still has. And I don't want you to get discouraged tonight. I don't want you to think that somehow we're the, the last ones on the planet. There are many, and God has his faithful remnant throughout the earth that still love his word, that still study his word, and pastors and shepherds that are still teaching and preaching his word. But we also know that we're living in a time when the, the, there are masses flocking to other types of ideas on how to do church and what to study and what they're being taught. Paul tells Timothy, the gate is narrow, Timothy, and there are going to be people that tragically will turn aside. Let me read you a, a quote. I believe this is Warren Wearsby. Many churches today are filled to overflowing with those who want their ears tickled with the myths of easy Christianity and the many variations of self-centeredness and so-called positive thinking. They come to have their egos fed and their sins approved, not to have their hearts cleansed and their souls saved. They want only to feel good, not to be made good. Tragically, such myths serve to religiously insulate people from the true gospel and drive them still further from the Lord. I've quoted this to you before. If the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? If the only truth that, that you can find in, in church today isn't the, is still just darkness, how great is that darkness? We must teach the Word. We must understand that in, as we fulfill God's calling, that it may not always be popular. It may not always be trendy. It may not always be the cutting edge. It may, but it may be exactly what God has called us to do. Not just in preaching the Word, but in anything that God would call you to do as you pursue your ministry and fulfill God's calling in your life. Number four on my list of things here concerning the calling is that you need to have the right mindset. And I think we find that here in verse 5. But you, Timothy, you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Four things packed in that little verse on what we need to do in terms of having the right mindset as we approach God's calling on our lives. First, he says, be watchful. That means sober-minded, alert. Don't be dull spiritually. 
Don't be distracted. Don't be lukewarm. Don't be caught up in the, the culture. Don't get, don't get too uh, caught up in the gimmicks and the things that even blow through the church and the various things that become popular for a season. You need to be sober-minded. Be watchful. Be on the lookout for your spiritual life. This is an attitude that you must have if you're going to fulfill God's calling. He also says, endure afflictions. Folks, there is no such thing as ministry that costs you nothing. If you want to be used by the Lord, you will undoubtedly be, be required to endure some afflictions. I don't want to scare you off. I don't want to tell you that, you know, it's, it's going to destroy you because I believe that God even uses those afflictions to strengthen us. And God doesn't allow anything to come against us that would overpower us or overwhelm us. There's no temptation that, that would come against us that we cannot bear. But you will endure afflictions. It will be, there will be some tough going. And I found this to be true in my own life. So long as I was kind of willing to sit on the, sit on the fence spiritually, my life seemed to click along okay. As soon as I kind of rolled my sleeves up and said, it's time to get to work in the house of God, as soon as I kind of set my heart and mind to get involved in ministry, what happened? All hell broke loose. <laughs> you know, the, the wheels started coming. All of a sudden, I found myself resisted. Spiritual warfare. Paul said we war not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers. When you set your heart to be in step with the kingdom of God, don't expect it to be an easy road. The, the forces of darkness are there. Now you're really getting out onto the front lines. When you get your life involved in fulfilling God's calling in your life, you have now put yourself right in the path of the enemy. And you will, Paul says, you're going to have to endure some of that. It's not, you know, it's going to cost you something. There may be some, some difficult things that you have to endure in order to be faithful with your ministry, Timothy. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Continue to share the faith. Continue to preach the word, Timothy. Continue to evangelize for the kingdom of God. But my emphasis here to you tonight is do the work. <laughs> you got to do the work. Now, it's not our own strength, right? Paul said, I labored, but it wasn't I. It was the grace of God laboring. We don't do this work in our own strength and effort. But we do set our hand to the plow and start doing the work. The grace of God will empower our lives. The grace of God will meet us and carry us. And, and you know, you'll be surprised at the doors that God will begin to open and the things that will begin to happen. But you've got to do the work. You've got to get in the game. You have to get, you know, put yourself out there. Do the work, Timothy. Don't get lazy. Don't slack off. Proclaim the truth. Allow your ministry to function. And finally, fulfill your ministry. Do the work and fulfill, complete the work. Finish strong. Keep going. Don't give up. Persevere. Hang in there. Don't just start well. Finish well. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's not a sprint, this Christian walk. It's, it's a marathon, right? It's a, it's a long distance run. And uh, we rest when we go to be with the Lord. There's a rest coming. And it's a wonderful rest that God has. And it's an eternal rest. But today, serve the Lord with all you've got. Work, do the work and finish the work. Tonight, and we'll close with these next two verses tonight. I want to talk about 
just given you those, those things in verse 5, the right mindset concerning fulfilling your calling. Let's look at verse 6 through 8 and talk a little bit about the hope of the calling. For I am already being poured out, Paul now talking about his own life, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all those who have loved His appearing. Paul talks about his own life. And again, as he encourages Timothy, he uses himself as an example. Timothy Fulfill your ministry. And then he talks about his own ministry, how he's, I, what I am doing, what I have done, and what there is for me. So he talks about the present, he talks about the past, he also talks about the future. We'll look at it that way. First of all, he says, I am already being poured out. I am already being poured out. That's, his life is a continual offering. My life is being poured out, Timothy. Remember Romans chapter 12? We've been looking at that on Sundays that we are to present ourselves a living sacrifice. That's what Paul's doing. I'm, every day, my life is being poured out. I'm pouring it out for the gospel. I'm pouring my life out, a living sacrifice to the Lord. And the time of my departure is at hand. Paul knew that he was coming to the end of his life in ministry. He was in a Roman prison. He knew God had already begun to show him that his time on this earth was coming to an end. That's not unusual. Jesus knew that his day was coming. Remember, as when he went to Jerusalem, he began to speak of his death. He knew that his day was coming. Other men of the Lord, Elijah knew that his time was coming. And, and not only Elijah, but Elisha, who was with him and some of his followers, they all had a sense that God was getting ready to uh, take him home. And Paul had that kind of thought in his heart. And I, I think it, it goes back to something I talked about on Sundays a couple of weeks ago. It's just a healthy a healthy thing to remember that there is coming a time of your departure. You know, that you are going to be with the Lord. Paul knew this. And Paul knew, I'm close. 30 years in ministry. I'm in a Roman prison here. I know what's going on to Christian. I know what their plans are for me. Timothy, my days are just about done here. My time of departure is near. And that, I, don't know, I think that just helped motivate the apostle. I, ha I think that helped keep his, all of his motives pure. It kept his focus centered on the things of God. And I think it's good for all of us. Lord, make me to know my end. And what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am? That's Psalm 39. Psalm 90 says this. This is Moses saying, The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, Yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. None of us are for certain when our time of departure arrives. For some, it may be very soon and we don't know it. But what I would say to you tonight, that you all know that it's coming 70, maybe 80 years. Now we've got a lot of good health science. You know, maybe you make it to 100. But you know that, it's, that the days are numbered, that there's a limit to your time on the earth. And that should not discourage us. That should not depress us. 
And in fact, Paul, Paul was looking forward to this going to be with the Lord. Remember what he told the Philippians? Oh, I've got to hang around and work with you guys, but man, I'm looking forward because it's far better to be with the Lord. And I, it's just a mindset that I think in, in fulfilling our calling, you know, we need to embrace. This is part of the hope. That, that it's just, it's a time of laboring for Him now, 70, maybe 80, maybe 100 years. But then my time of departure will come and I'm going to be with Him. And I want to live my life in light of that. That's why Moses said, Lord, teach us to number our days. In other words, make each day count that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Let's live for the Lord. Paul had this, and this was part of his hope. This was part of his, kept him motivated in, in, in ministry. And it was something that he looked forward to. It was not a depressing thought. He was greatly looking forward to going and being with the Lord, which he said is far better. This is what I am. I'm ready. I'm being poured out, and I'm ready to go and be with the Lord. But he also talks about what he has been doing. For I have fought, verse 7, I have fought the good fight and have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Three things. He fought the good fight. That, that word fought is the Greek word agonizomi where we get our word agony. It's not an easy fight. Paul was in a knockdown, drag-out fight. He's fought the good fight, emphasizing the spiritual struggle, the spiritual warfare that he told the Ephesians about. It was, it was an effort. It was a, but I've fought, I fought it. I, I was faithful to fight the fight. It was difficult, but it was also, he says, the good fight. It's the most noble of causes. Nobody said... It was going to be easy to fulfill your calling that God has for your life. But there is no greater calling. There is no higher calling. There is no more fruitful life available. There is no more noble cause than to live for God and to fulfill, to fight that good fight. Some fights are worth fighting. This is one. This spiritual warfare that we are in, living for Christ amidst a dark world, is a fight worth fighting. And I encourage you like the Apostle Paul, young people that you're in here with us tonight, fight the good fight. Don't shy away from what God has set before you. Serve your generation, just as we are endeavoring to serve the Lord in ours. He says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. This kind of identifies the fact that Paul understood there was a course set for him. And he finished it. God's got a course for each of us. There are specific things along the way that God has just for you to fulfill. He's planned this. God's not making this up as we go. He's not trying to, he's not, he's not trying to think to tonight about what to do with you tomorrow. <laughs> he's got it planned, and it's a course that's already been set out. And Paul is looking back now on 30 years of ministry, knowing that his, his race, he's right near the finish line. And he said, I've run the course. I hit the markers. I, I, I've hit those things that God called me to. I have finished my race, my course. The, the writer of Hebrews in 12.1, you don't need to turn to it. He says this, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Each of us has a course to run, church. Each of us has a race to run. Paul said, I'm, I finished it. God, help me. I want, that's what I want to be able to say. 
I feel like I just kind of was late getting started. I was one of the, you know, took me 35 years to, to even get to the starting line, let alone the finish line. But these last 10 years, 12 years now, of really putting my hand to the plow, and I, this is not a boast, this is just the grace of God. But now I'm looking back and I'm saying, and like I can look back on the last 10 years and I can say, I finished that. I finished that leg of the course. There are some things that, that God had for me there and we, we, we did it. Lord, we fulfilled those things. You fulfilled those things through me. I'm not there yet. I, like, as Paul, the Apostle Paul said, I don't claim to have laid hold of it yet, but I'm going in that direction. And I encourage you, church, finish your course, run the race that's set before you and take away anything that would stop you, any weight, any sin, anything that's in the way, any distraction, set it aside. You can't run a race with, you know, a backpack on. You know, shed it. Get rid of it. Anything that's slowing you down. Talking spiritually. Those things that would ensnare you spiritually. It's not worth it. It's just going to keep you from finishing your race. And he also says, finally, I've kept the faith. And that has the idea of having been faithful with what was entrusted to him. He has kept it preserved it. Jesus said, don't lay up treasure on earth, but rather treasure in heaven. And, and Paul is, has kept that, that in mind. He, he's kept the faith. He's, he's preserved those things that the Lord has entrusted to him. The message of the gospel, being faithful to preach the word. I've kept on course. I am being poured out. I have fought, finished, kept. And now there is. He speaks to the future. And we'll close here tonight. Verse 8. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness with the Lord, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but to all those, to all who have loved his appearing. There's laid up something for me. It's on secure layaway. Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Why? Because neither moth nor rust destroys, and thieves do not break in and steal. This treasure that Paul is talking about, it's secure. There is, it's waiting for me. You know, we can store up treasures on the earth. We can, uh, you know, we can, oh, I don't know. We can put a lot of effort and work into, into to having nice things, and yet they get, what happens? They get broken. We put some really nice French doors in our bedroom about, I don't know, eight years ago, seven years ago. They were beautiful. <laughs> well, the rain that comes off my roof, I don't have a rain gutter back by these doors. I forgot to do that. So the rain splashes, and it's splashed up on these doors. So over the years of a few rainy seasons... These doors down at the bottom have all become kind of, you know, it, they're all dry rotted out. You know, it's all, they're falling apart. And now we have this new Jack Russell I was telling you about. She scratches to get at the, out the door and she's totally almost dug a hole through the whole base of the door. The wood's all, the paint, everything. And so it's like, yeah, it's gross. Um, anyway, it's, you, you get the picture. Paul says, there's something laid away from me. And Jesus said, where that treasure, moth, rust, Jack Russells, 
Nothing can get at that. It's laid away secure. God is, is holding the justness of Christ. That which God has provided for all those who believe. That's why Paul goes on to say, not just for me, but for all who have loved His appearing. Those who put their faith and trust and love in Christ, this crown awaits all of them, the crown of righteousness. There's coming a day when we're going to go and be with Him, and He's going to put this crown upon your head, this crown of righteousness that says, you are right with God, you are right standing with Him. This is your eternal reward. It is a crown of victory over sin and death. The crown of righteousness awaits us. Not only Paul, and Paul was looking forward to that. That was a great treasure to him, and it motivated him in fulfilling his calling. So I would encourage out the chapter, and we'll look at the various people along the way that Paul encountered, those that were friends and helped him fulfill his calling, and those that were enemies and resisted God's calling in his life. And you and I are going to have those, those same kind of people in our lives. There's going to be people that come and come alongside and actually help you fulfill. You'll, they help strengthen your hand. And there will be others that will resist and others that will distract and others that will become you know, even enemies of God's calling in your life. So we'll look at that next time. But all of this is the Apostle Paul giving kind of his last words to Timothy on how to fulfill the calling that God had given him. And I would say to you and me, it's not just to Timothy, but it's to us all. God's got something for us. He's called us to something. And it's, it's just about being faithful with it. I'm not asking you to, oh, does that mean I've got to do something great? No, you just need to be faithful. You just need to be watchful. You need to be obedient. You need to be you know, sensitive to the Word and, and allow God to lead you. He'll get you there. Listen, church, He will get you there. As you give place and as you yield to Him, he is the one that will fulfill these things. But this is our part. This is our kind of cooperation with that grace of God as we give, allow Him to have full reign in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank You for Your Word from the Apostle Paul to Timothy, this young man in ministry. And Lord, these words are so um, rich and powerful for us today as we look to fulfill our calling, Lord, as we look to do the work that you've set before us. And we do it in dark times, Lord. We, we do it in the very times that the Apostle Paul warned about. The time would come, perilous times. But Lord, that's not to overwhelm us because you placed us in just the right time. This, we are here for such a time as this. These are the best times, Lord. This is, this is our time. This is our generation. God, if we're here, it's not by accident. It's because you placed us at this very moment in history that we would have opportunity to fulfill that which you've called us to do. So, Lord, we want to embrace Christ. We want to, as the Apostle Paul, we want to love the appearing of Christ. We are so thankful as we are now coming into Christmas, Lord, the, the whole thought of Jesus coming to be among us we love the story. We love your appearing, Jesus. We love that you came and did what you did for us. And we embrace you by faith tonight. And we look forward to the future coming that's been promised. And Lord, if we're here when you return, we will rejoice. And Lord, if we go to be with you before you return, still we rejoice because we believe that there's a crown of righteousness, that the righteousness of Christ 
that will be manifested in a crown upon our head will be given to us, just as I'm sure has been already given to the Apostle Paul. So, Lord, we, we ask that you would help us to fulfill those things that you've called us to, that we would be serious about the work of the Lord, that our walk with you, Lord, would not just be some little part of our life, but rather would just become more and more all-consuming on our life, and that everything we do would be done in the light of our relationship with you and our love for you. We thank you, God, for this time. I pray that your word would continue to speak, Lord. I pray also, Lord, for just safe travel during these holiday seasons. God, watch over our lives now as we uh, get back to our, our homes and families, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray.